if you walked in this morning without falling, I need you to give a hand clap to John. John, where you at? I know you don't want it, but I'm just saying, I walked in this morning in the faithfulness of John Zimmerly out there shoveling. No gloves, by the way. No gloves. Better man than me. Um, thank you, John, for your faithfulness in that. Also, if you got a donut or some coffee, I need you to give a little hand clap to Miss Sylvia and Mr. Steve. I know they don't do it for the recognition, but it's the little things. It's the little things that make coming to church and being like you feel welcome. Like you imagine if you'd have come in and there was just a sheet of ice out there. Nobody touched it. No salt. No donuts. You just come in and just like a cup of water for all of us to share. Like that's not welcoming, <laughs> right? But it's the little things. It's the faithfulness of, of people like John, people like Sylvia, like Steve. It's what makes church a great gathering to be a part of. So my name is Deshaun. Uh, I get to give the word today or go through the word or help us to walk through this word. Um, and I am glad to be here. Occasionally I will reach back and I'll get a drink from my Black Panther water drinker thing there. Wakanda forever. Um, so we've been in this series called A Church for the Hungry. We weren't here last week um, because of Ohio's ungodly weather. Trying to do something about that. Trying to start a movement. Um, but we've been, we've been in this series. This series, A Church for the Hungry. And what does that mean? Uh, and I want to recap a little bit from where Corey has spoken on. I've been in John 6. If you have a Bible with you, start turning there because I'm just going to keep talking and then we'll jump into the word a little bit. What does that mean to be a church for the hungry and, and, and how do we define hunger? Um, and how do, we, how do we define what this church is supposed to be? What is it supposed to look like? Uh, and, and the first week, um, Corey spoke on this out of John 6, is that God is always faithful to provide. And it's this story we see where Jesus is visiting his hometown, his home area. And, and he starts teaching and he's preaching and, and people start flocking because what he's saying is attractive, because what he's saying is meaningful, it's deep, it's something they have never seen before. And he feeds 5,000 people, 5,000 men, it says, just the men, plus women and children. So over 5,000 people, Jesus feeds these people that are there to listen to him, and they're saying, I'm hungry. They're hungry. Their bellies are needing something to fill them up. And then from there, Corey talks about how God is always faithful to provide what we need. So even when we're there, we're going, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how you're going to do this. God's in the background going, I'm already here. I've already provided. You just need to walk with me. Now, I want you to catch on to that because that is something we get misconstrued a lot. We, we forget that God was here long before us. God is here right now. And then God is already before us. Like he is ahead of the things that we're going into. And so if we are trying to live a life, like if you're here this morning, you're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Or if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know about this Jesus. What you need to understand is that God has already gone before you and you're just walking into what he's already up to. That's the theme. I want you to catch on to that and walk with us. So um, moving on, Jesus fed the 5,000. People were fed, they were feeling good about themselves, their bellies were full, and so they started following Jesus. They followed Jesus all over the place, right? They want to find out where he's at. Why? Because they're hungry. 
If somebody gave you free food, you'd be like, okay, can I get some more, please? And you'd follow them around. I remember when, um, when, when Raising Cane first came to Canton, right? It wasn't even free. It was just different. And there was a line all the way out to, like, Target across the street. They shut the street down. People were going nuts over Raising Cane because it was some food. And it wasn't even free. You had to pay for it still. Now, imagine if somebody said, hey, I'm going to feed 5,000 people with Raising Cane. Do you think you'd be finding out how to get more of that Raising Cane? Yes, you would, right? So that's what's happening with these people. They're following Jesus. Corey talks about how God is faithful to provide even when we're not sure we're looking for it. Also goes on and talks about Jesus always shows himself to be greater than whatever situation we're in. And how we can have a Jesus attitude as opposed to a Moses attitude. See, Moses, great man, incredible prophet, but he had to wait on God to part the sea, right? He had the people behind him. He's waiting on God to do something. God, please do something right now. I need you. Whereas Jesus says, walk out of the boat. Believe, and then you will see the fruit of your belief. So having a a Jesus attitude as opposed to a Moses way of thinking. So, starting off this morning, all right, we've gone through the recap. I want you to, to think about one question. Why are you following Jesus? Or why are you seeking Jesus if you're not sure about Jesus? You're here because you're curious. Somebody dragged you along, was like, you should come and check it out. Cool church, great music. Why are you following Jesus or why are you seeking Jesus? Because the crowds, they followed Jesus. They did all kinds of crazy stuff that we're going to get into. But there was a whole different intention as to why they were following him. So the question I want on your mind right now is why am I following Jesus? Or why am I seeking Jesus? So we're going to go to John 6, 22. If you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn there. You got your phones, tablets, etc. Go ahead, turn there. Stay off, of, stay off of social media because we're going to talk about that too a little bit today. Today is, today is going to be a little bit of a challenge, guys. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Just be prepared. I'm challenging a whole lot, all right. And that's not my comfort zone. I'm, a, I'm a shepherd by nature. I want to make everybody feel okay. I want to make sure. Are you okay? Are you comfortable? Is the heat all right in here? Does anybody need a drink? Like that's like. My nature is to serve in that way, but today I'm challenging a little bit because I feel like this scripture is all about challenging us to step forward a little more. So John 6, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw the disciples had taken the only boat and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. Keep moving. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. We want to do what you do too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. And catch this. 
believe in the one he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. Jesus had just performed three amazing miracles. He had fed 5,000 people from five barley loaves and two fish. Okay, that's cool. He'd walked across water. Nobody had ever done that. Moses had parted the water. Jesus had walked on the water. He's above and greater than the water. I don't got to go through this water. I don't want to get my feet muddy. I'll walk right on top. He had not only done that, but if you don't catch in the scriptures, it said Jesus stepped into the boat, and immediately they were on shore. Now, I don't know. There's a lot of translations that could go into that. But to me, I think of, like, teleportation. You guys ever seen Star, was it Star Trek? Right? He's like, beam me up, Scotty. You guys know what I'm talking about, some of you guys, right? He's like, beam me up, Scotty, and he's like, next up. He's like, oh, cool. Like, Jesus did that, but it wasn't sci-fi. It happened. So in, in, in a short span of time, in one day, Jesus performs three amazing miracles. And he does those miracles, what, just for the sake of the miracles? No, he does them to show the people that are following him that he is greater than whatever they're in. That he is, he is, he is he's set by God. He wants to say, look, I want you to believe me, so I'm going to do these miracles because that's where your mind, that's where your mind is right now. You want to see things done. So I'm going to go ahead and do them. And the people follow him. They want more. They want the treats. They want, they want to be fed. We have this dog. He's not with us anymore. He's not dead. He's just with a different family. Sorry, that was kind of a weird way of putting that. His name was Harley. Harley's a great dog. Love that dog cuddled with me. He was like 15 pounds of sheer terror. <laughs> Would not scare anybody. He was a terrible guard dog. He'd like open the door for you if he could. But Harley was, Harley was, a, was a obedient dog to the extent that you were giving him treats. Harley would come to you, and, I, and we trained him. We had him for like a couple years, and, and Harley would be like, hey, Harley, high five. He would jump like crazy. I mean, he could jump like off the ground like this high. Harley, uh, do a backflip, and he'd try to do a backflip, and he'd fall on his back. And like Harley was all about the treats. He wanted the treats. It didn't even matter if you actually had treats. If you just opened the door to the pantry, you could hear the little, <laughs> like he's coming around like, what you, what you got for me? Harley's sole purpose was to get treats. Now, if I did not have a treat, I could do those tricks for a little while. I could make him jump and high five. But sooner or later, he'd be like, where's my treat? And he wouldn't do it. He'd just sit there like, no. And I swear, sometimes he would turn around and walk away just like a slow pitter-patter way. And, and you could hear him cursing in dog. But Harley was all about the treats. These people, the crowd following Jesus, was all about the miracles. They wanted the bread. They wanted to see amazing things. Oh, show me something more amazing. Wow. Do something else. Show us. Give us a show, Jesus. Why are you following Jesus? Are you following him to get fed? Are you following him to get blessings? Are you following him for your miracle? I want to get my miracle. I'm waiting on my miracle. I'm waiting on my transformation. Change this situation in my life, Jesus. I'm following you because you're, you promised you would. The crowd is following Jesus, and they are all about getting to where he is. They scale mountains. They go through the hills. They search in the village. They load up on boats and traverse a sea to get to him, probably loaded up. Like it's unsafe and teetering and tottering, but they're going to get their 
blessing, their miracle. And they get there and they, you ever, you ever go up to someone and, and, and you, and you want to ask them something directly, but you don't know how to do it, so you want to small talk a little bit? Hey, Jesus, when did you, you get here, man? And Jesus sees right through that fakeness, right through it. And he says, the only reason you're following me is because you don't even understand the miracles. You don't understand the purpose, the reason behind the miracles. You're following me for what I can do for you. I'm trying to show you who I want you to be. They keep pointing at the physical miracles that he's done. They keep pointing at the physical blessings that they can receive from him. They want to get out of poverty. They want to get out of indignity. They want to be away from humiliation, away from Roman rule. They want to make him king because he's supposed to be the prophet, king, messiah that they've been waiting on. Their agenda is to make him what they want him to be. Are you trying to make Jesus what you want him to be? Or are you following him because he is the king of kings? Are you following him because he has the answer to eternal life? This is going right over their heads. They're sitting there still looking at him like, so when are you going to do the fish thing again? The crowd has an agenda. Jesus sees right through it. And he points him to the source. The only work, he says, that God wants from you is to believe in the one he has sent. So maybe you are following Jesus. Maybe you are doing everything you can for the kingdom. Making my schedule work this way and that way. I want to do this right. I want to make sure I, I achieve. I want to perform for Jesus. He says the only work God expects from you is to believe in the one he has sent. Then everything else flows from that. The work you do is informed by that belief. It's informed by that I, I am filled up by Jesus. And so I have to, I'm compelled to do like Jesus did. Before you do anything for Jesus, you first have to rely on Jesus. You have to be filled up with the spirit. So Jesus points him to the source. We're going to read in John 6, 32 to 35, the next section. We're going to keep rolling. In John 6, 32. So the crowd, you know, he tells them, he tells them all, all that God wants from you is to believe in the one he has sent. And he's like, oh, you know, the crowd's like, that's cool, but what can you do for us? I mean, Moses, Moses gave us manna. Moses provided bread from heaven and then like fell and we were able to eat. Like our ancestors were able to eat and fill up. It was great. Can you do that? And Jesus, Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Galileans are so busy trying to force their agenda. The, the, the crowd is so busy trying to force their agenda that they completely miss out on the fact that they have God incarnate standing in their midst. There's sometimes we miss the point. There's sometimes we're so focused on our agenda and things we need to get done. Man, our society is such an industrious society. We're so goal-driven, and we get stuff done. 
America, get it done. You're American. You don't sit around and wait for anybody. You go do it yourself. That's why we have so many DIY shows. Everybody's trying to do their kitchen like, like what's his name, Chip? Chip and Joanna. Everybody wants to be Chip and Joanna. But we, we're not that good except for maybe, maybe Dave, uh, Dave Shepherdner. As the only one who can do your kitchen like Chip and Joanna Gaines. We're all wanting to do things ourselves. We're so industrious, so focused on our agenda. We want to fit Jesus into that agenda. And we miss out on the fact that God is working right now. They're so focused on pushing their agenda, be our king, meet our needs, fill our stomachs, that they're completely missing out on the fact that God incarnate is right in front of them. Moses did this. Why can't you do this? He's like, you're missing the point. The miracles are not the point. The works are not the point. The source is the point. Like he's pointing them to God, saying, look to God. He sent me. I am his representation. Believe in me so that you can experience this new life and be transformed from inside out. Don't look to miracles to change you. Look to me to change you, and then you can actually be involved in the miracles. You can be a part of the miracles. Right now, there are miracles happening here. This building that we are sitting in right now, Ask Corey about it. This building is a miracle. The fact that we're able to have church right now, right here, is a miracle. Five or six years ago, this place was filled up with garbage and there was, this was not an inhabitable space, but we are inhabiting it, worshiping God because God performed a miracle. What happens throughout the week in this building is a miracle. On that other side of the building, there are offices. Kahinawala's there. They're, they're doing work across the world. They're, they're, there's all kinds of work happening, life being transformed in this place. Those are miracles. Down the street, the one leadership, the one center for leadership is working. It's, Rachel is, in, is involved in developing leaders from within Canton who can go out and transform their communities and the world. That is a miracle. These miracles are happening. Refuge of Hope, not to mention Refuge of Hope. Who, who here knows about Refuge of Hope? Refuge of Hope is building an extension so that they can house more people, get them off the streets, and not only that, not just meet their physical needs, but also provide spiritual comfort and care to meet their needs. That is a miracle. And these miracles are happening in our faces, church. They're happening in front of us right here. And we're walking past them, we're driving past them, we are experiencing them and being in the periphery of them. But we're focused on things that are happening and we're forgetting to look at God and say, God, you are doing amazing things. God, would you fill me up so I can go and do and be a part of? Where are you seeing a miracle right in front of your face? And you're so focused on your agenda. You're so keyed in on what you got to get done that you're missing out on the point that God is asking you to be a part of that. God is calling you to step forward. Corey talked about this last time he preached two weeks ago. He said God is asking us to get up out of our seats and take a step on that water as uncomfortable, as scary as that may be. I tell my son this all the time. He's scared of a lot of things. Theo is a brave child. He tries to be brave. But he's scared of going upstairs to turn on the lights to go to the bathroom. I'll put him out there. He'll get me when I'm older. And I tell him, Theo, you don't have to be scared. 
You can do it, man. Like, I'm here. I got you. Just turn the light on. Step up there. Go to the bathroom. Do your thing. Wash your hands. Come back down. It's all good. But daddy, I'm scared. Nobody's in the house except for us. I got you. He said, but I'm scared. I said, Theo, I need you to be brave. I need you to be courageous. Because courage is not the absence of fear. I'm not saying don't be scared. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the action in the midst of fear. Where right now are you scared to step forward, to step out, to go into something that's a little bit scary, that God is pushing you and making you a little bit uncomfortable? You're saying, God, I'm scared. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And God is saying, be courageous. Trust in me in the midst of your fear. I'm not telling you not to be scared. I'm just saying believe and trust that I will hold you up in your fear. Where is it that you are afraid to step forward? Because God will hold you up. God will take you through. So it's easy to look at the things that we're involved in, the thing that this church is involved in, and get feeling really good about it. But, but I, wanna, I want you to look inwardly and ask this question, am I being filled up by the bread of life? Am I being filled up by the bread of life, or am I expecting other things to fill me up? Am I expecting social media to fill me up? Am I expecting my accomplishments to fill me up? Am I expecting the feel-good gospels that are out there right now saying, go get your miracle to fill me up? Because those things will not last. Those are an appetizer compared to the gospel message that Jesus is offering right now. Jesus, even without the miracles, is enough. And I want you to catch this point. Because we are in a society that really, we have a hard time. It's very similar to what was going on back then. We have a hard time with not being gratified. We are a consumeristic culture. It's not a knock, it's not, a, not offending you, it's just what we are. We love to consume. That's why Amazon is so rich. We love, I love Amazon deliveries. You put it on the mail, it's right there. Oh my goodness, I didn't have to go out in this weather. We are a consumeristic culture. We love to see tangible things being given to us. But even without the miracles, Jesus is still Lord. Even without the miracles, Jesus still dies on the cross and he still gets up from the grave and our eternity is still secure in him. If Jesus does not feed the 5,000, walk on water, teleport the boat across the water, he is still the son of God incarnate. He is still offering eternal life. The miracles do not make Jesus. Jesus produces the miracles. And so I want to ask you, where right now, where are you expecting a miracle? You're not getting it. And is Jesus enough for you even without that miracle? Is Jesus enough for you even without that blessing you've been asking for? Jesus makes the miracles, but even if he doesn't for you, he's still gives you eternal life. Last point. Everyone needs living bread. And what we're going to read, and this one is John 6, 40, but I, I, have a, I have a little story. So when I was in high school, I was a sophomore. We did this thing called 30-hour famine. Every good youth group thought about doing it or did it. 30-hour famine was this experiential simulation. Like your church would buy this kit, you watch these videos, you do like a lock-in, and you have posters, and 
learn about poverty in different situations and, and how people live without food for long periods of time. And so they, they, they came up with a 30-hour time frame. And so in that 30 hours, you're reflecting on what God, you know, how, how people are living and you were trying to be involved. You're trying to be with people. And I was a sophomore in high school. My mind wasn't there. My mind was on girls and basketball and getting through this 30-hour famine so I could eat some food. Sorry, Jesus. It's just where I was. So we get through this 30-hour famine, me and my buddy. My buddy's the pastor's kid. And at the end of the 30-hour famine, they have bread and they have soup. You're supposed to experience that as well. That's typically what someone in a poverty situation gets relief, gets some bread and soup. It's also good for your belly because it's not too much. It doesn't expand your belly and make you sick. But we're like, no, forget that. We want steak and shake. So we're like, hey, pastor, can you take us to steak and shake? We go to steak and shake. And when you've been hungry for 30 hours and you usually aren't used to being hungry, I mean, you know how people say, oh, I'm starving. Like, but you're really not. You're just really hungry. There's a difference. It's a subtle difference. It's actually a big difference. But we use that word a lot. Oh, I'm starving. No, you're not. You're just hungry. Right? But that's how I felt, though. Oh, pastor, I'm starving. He's like, oh, really? Okay. So we go to the steak and shake. We get the skinny fries. We get the greasy cheddar burger. Stuff our faces, gorge our faces. Oh, it's so good. Get the milkshake. And then immediately just feel so sick. I will never eat again. I'm done. This is it. Two hours later, I'm snacking. Why? Because that food was not, it was not true sustenance. It, I mean, it, my, it was just consuming for the sake of filling my gut. Just consuming for the sake of filling my gut. It was not satisfying, truly. Really what I want is something that's going to fill me up, something solid, stay in my belly, that's going to last for a long time. A lot of us go through our lives spiritually hungry, spiritually wanting to be filled, spiritually wanting satisfaction, but we gorge on garbage. We gorge on, oh, new age philosophy. Gorge. Oh, social media conflicts. Oh, new trend that comes out. I want this. We, we fill up on things that have no substance, and then we wonder why we're hungry again. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I will fill you up and sustain you through time. Not just this time, but through eternity. John 6, 40 says, for it is my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. And then jump down to 47, 51. God's will is that all will have eternal life. Anyone who sees the son will have eternal life. And the way that people will see Jesus in our day and age is via the church is in the way that we're filled up with his presence so that we can go and be his hands and feet in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And so if you are not embodying the presence of Jesus, if you're not filling up on Jesus through the word, through prayer, through community, through mentorship, you can't be filled up with his presence enough to go and be his representation. The church has done a poor job historically of representing Jesus. 
And he's saying here, this is how, this is how the world will come to know me, by you. 47. 47 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. He says, yeah, Moses might have sprinkled some crumbs from heaven. Like Moses didn't even do that. God sprinkled some crumbs from Moses, but they all died. They're not here. I'm telling you that I am the bread of life that will sustain you through eternity. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live as my flesh. Pause for dramatic effect. Jesus offers his flesh. He goes on to say, anyone who eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood will have eternal life. If you eat of my flesh, you remain in me and I'll remain in him. And at this point, something odd happened to the crowd. The crowd was sort of in there with it. They were questioning. Then Jesus drops this line. Say, what? Did you just say, did you just say eat his flesh? What the? Jesus is foreshadowing. Jesus is foreshadowing what will happen. But because, again, because the crowd is so focused on the material, he uses that to make a point. The crowd is so focused on the material, on the tangible. We're going to eat his flesh and drink his blood? What? No. That probably doesn't even taste good. He's foreshadowing what he's going to do. Jesus is going to give his body, his physical body. He's going to pour out his blood on the cross. That will be the sacrifice that will be made. And as you believe in him via the Holy Spirit, then you will be consuming his presence. You will be consuming who Jesus is. And as we remember him through communion, as we will do shortly, we are symbolically saying, I am consuming, I am taking in, I am being a part of, I am wanting to be filled up with Jesus so that he would remain in me and I would remain in him. He's foreshadowing what will happen. But because they're so focused on the physical and he's talking on the spiritual, they completely miss the point. And we'll see later on as you read, a lot of people turned around and were like, the miracles were cool, but there's a little too much for me. And Jesus was like, you know what? I'll miss the point. I am here to redeem. I am here to restore, but I'm doing it my way. I'm doing it the way God the Father has told me to do it, not the way you want. I'm not here to be to meet your agenda. I'm not here to fulfill your physical material needs. I'm here for your eternal needs. If Third Street is going to be a place where this community can come to receive, yes, physical nourishment, yes, care, uh, yes, relationship, community, but also spiritual nourishment, eternal life, purpose in living, then that's going to mean that every single one of you seated here, either believing and following in Jesus or curious and searching Jesus, 
you have, you have to be filled with the Spirit. You have to be filled with God. You have to be filled with the person of Jesus. You have to come to a point where you say, I am tired of eating the counterfeit bread that's out there. I'm tired of the counterfeit stuff. I don't want the, life of, I don't want the, the bread of life light. I want the real thing. I don't want the go get your miracle and that's about where I'm, that's where I'm going. That's, I want my miracle and then, then I'm hanging on until Jesus comes back. Come on, Jesus. No. The bread of life says I want to fill you up with my presence so that you can go and be my hands and feet where you are. You can go and be my hands and feet to your neighbors when you are scared, when you are terrified. I will be right there with you and I will walk with you and then I will perform miracles through you. And I am performing miracles now. I want, you to step in the bo- I want you to step in the water, get out of the boat. Step in the water with me and I will show you what I'm doing. That's what Jesus is up to. He's already been up to it. He's just asking us to walk with him. He's just asking you to walk with him. If this church, if this church is going to be a beacon of light for this city, for this community, for this area, for this world... If we are going to transform and change the world, it begins with each one of us individually saying, Jesus, would you fill me up daily? Would you fill me up? Would you give me your presence? Would you walk with me? So as I finish up, just two quick questions. How can you make Jesus the source of fulfillment in your life? The source of fulfillment in your life. Not a source. Not one of the many. But the source of fulfillment in your life and purpose. How? This is not a closed-ended question. This is open-ended. It means that you ruminate on this in your mind. You think about it. You take it back home with you. You talk about it with your wife, with your husband, with your roommate, with your friends. How can I make Jesus the source of fulfillment in my life. And the second question is what do you need to do today to walk with Jesus even when it's terrifying? Because if this church is going to be a part of the movement that God is doing in Canton, it's going to need it's going to need everybody's participation. It's going to need your participation wherever you are in your part of the city. It's going to need your participation wherever you are in your school, slash home, slash neighborhood. But you have to make that first move, even if you're scared. Be courageous. Now, we're going to step into a time of communion and response as the worship team come up. I know there's a lot, a lot has been thrown at you. There's a lot to think about. But in this passage, the simple thing that I see from Jesus is, look, there's so much, so much pressure surrounding what's the Christian life. There's so much that goes in, so much baggage that we carry in church. Because, again, we've done a poor job of representing Jesus in the past. But here's, here's the good news. In Matthew 6, 25 to 32, 34, Jesus talks about not worrying. And here's why that's important. Because this message is not supposed to be something else for you to add on to your plate. No, this message is supposed to be something that tells you, listen, 
God is already working. You don't need to invent the wheel. You don't need to create the world. God already did that. What God is seeking from each one of us is that we would trust him and walk with him where he already is. And that's what we are trying to do as a church. And then Jesus says, don't worry about anything in your life. The unbelievers, they fret and they worry about what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to do? And Jesus says, don't worry about that. I have clothed the birds. I have given them food. I have clothed the lilies of the field with such splendor that Solomon's whole kingdom can't even compare. Jesus is saying, don't, don't worry. Just trust and believe in the one he has sent. And so if you take anything away from this morning, it's, it's that simple message. Where do you just trust and believe in the one he has sent and he will work out those other things.